Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday. Time for an episode of the Cape Cod Times Life with Gwen. I'm Gwen, Gwen Frisk, Cape Cod Times Lifestyle Editor. And with me today is someone that I talk to a lot, but only in little pieces. So it's really exciting for the next half hour to have with us Lauren Walk, who is the Associate Director of the Cultural Center of Cape Cod, and is also been in the news quite a bit for a book you wrote recently, I don't know, a couple of years now. Um, you have the book with you? I do. Called Wolf Hollow. This has gotten a lot of attention, spent a little time on the New York Times bestseller list. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. I know someone who's been, see, now I know someone who's been <laughs> on the best time, the New York Times bestseller list. So Lauren and I thought we'd get together and talk a little bit about arts on the Cape. And that's obviously such a big topic that, you know, we're not going to talk about funding and that kind of, I don't think, Thank God. and that kind of thing. But uh, just about how some of these programs uh, come around. You know, every week you send me a newsletter of what's going on, and there's always mm -hmm. a million things. Well, that might be hyperbole. But no, no, a lot not of a million. A million. Going on. Yeah, yeah. And the center is on... Um, why don't you describe its location? So it's on Old Main Street in South Yarmouth. It's one block off of Bass River, right? Just off Route 28. It's very easy to find, and it's in one of the few big brick buildings on Cape Cod. It's the old Bass River Savings Bank building that we converted back in 2007. And they very wisely, I think you still have this, left the vault. Oh yeah, yeah. It is so cool. I had the pleasure of speaking there. And when you're standing in front of that vault, you feel very valuable. Yes, everything. And when we have weddings, that's where they put the gifts, yes. Uh, it's a small gallery and uh, one of our favorite spaces. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of spaces, you made some changes there, which allow for new programming. We did. So um, we actually, it took several years to make the transformation. We opened our doors in 2007 and almost immediately were overwhelmed with the demand from the community. So we struggled with the space we had for a while while we raised money for a new education wing, which we opened in increments, but it's fully open and has been for a couple of years now. And that has given us an incredible boost. We, our scope of service doubled, our space doubled, Everything. Uh, our motto is all the arts for all of us, and we we worked very hard from day one to achieve that. But now, with all of these uh, really wonderful assets we have in the education wing, we our, our scope of services is quite extraordinary. And something that interests me a lot as food editor is you have a kitchen. We have a culinary arts center, and we have a, a resident chef. And we, so we have lots of classes there of all kinds, but also our Rise and Shine program for Youth at Risk um, takes place in all the studios, including that one. So the chef will come and cook with the kids and eat with the kids. They learn healthy cooking, they learn healthy eating, and they learn skills that can help them get jobs on the Cape. So it's certainly fun. a lot of food jobs on the Cape. Yes, there are. Now, we love our kitchen and we love our chef. Whose name confounds me. I, I am terrified of the day. I have to say that one. Szynski. Szynski. Joseph, Joseph Szynski. Yes. Yeah. Just call him Chef. Yes, that yeah. sounds good. We get that name once and then and then we'll just call him yeah. Chef. Yeah, he's fantastic. 
he has a, um, I noticed a, a wide range of, of um, cuisines that he works with. Quite, yeah, food and wine from around the world. Mm -hmm. And then really specialty things like he'll cook the food of a particular chef, someone he wants to honor, or mm -hmm. in honor of a particular day, you know, a holiday or something like that. And uh, we have game night coming up, which is preceding the Super Bowl. And he, that, everything he does is amazing. Oh, like foods for game mm -hmm. night? Yeah. Oh, I have to give him a call. We should. We'll try and get some of those recipes for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. So while we were chatting, we got a greeting from uh, Cindy Farquhar. She says hi. Good morning. Hi. And we love to hear from Cindy. She's uh, one of our regulars, I think, because we, we hear from her quite a bit, and that's great. Um, and uh, let's see. Okay, Richard Williams. Hello from Muncie, Indiana. Oh. Isn't it nice to have a fan in Indiana? It's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So it um, it's great when I think about how far this show can go. The internet that that's a good side of the internet. It's a you gift. Know, you can uh, hear from people yeah. all over the world, Absolutely. and sometimes we do. Kit cutters who are you know doing something else or working someplace else. But uh, so there is so much. I was trying to think of how we might get started, and I wonder if maybe we could talk about some of those other programs so that. Sure people can um, get a better sense of why they might be wanting to check your listings, your website. Everything's on the website? Everything's on the website, unless it's a private event. We, we're kind of a community center as well, so we host a lot of private events for other nonprofits and for organizations of all kinds and private individuals. So, um, so you can basically rent out the space? We and, can, and, mm -hmm. and we're there to, to run things too. So uh, what you see on the website and in the newsletter is is most of it, but it's not all of it. We're very, well, But it's very the busy. public stuff. And it is. The public be. stuff is, is um, we really do try to offer an incredible range of opportunities for people of all interests and incomes and abilities and ages. So, uh, But we're also really reactive to the community. We, we decided from the very beginning that we would hear what people wanted and try to fill the need instead of telling them what we thought they needed um, and hoping they would come. So, does, how does that work for you? How do people get in touch? And we get calls and emails uh, and letters every single day uh, from people who want to come and do something at the center or want us to provide something for them that they can't find elsewhere. And that's actually when we built the education wing. We surveyed 1,700 high school students and hundreds of artists and organizations about what they wanted. Mm -hmm. So they really wanted a culinary arts center. They really wanted a recording studio, which we built and is free for young people to come and record their music. They wanted oh, pottery. Amazing. They wanted photography. So, and we wanted they wanted workspace. So artists, we have five artist studios where they teach and work and sell their art. So we we try to accommodate the needs of the community, and um, that's taken us in all kinds of directions, including our sober socials, our youth programs. Um, we believe that the arts are one solution to a lot of social problems. Mm -hmm. uh, for some people, they're a, literally a lifeline, and so we figure it's our responsibility to provide whatever we can to help people live better lives. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's what's a cool theory? Place. What's that? Uh, not theory. What's that mm -hmm. motto again? All the arts for all of us. Well, it sounds like you've certainly made a, a very good start on that, and that you're evolving every day. That that we want to um, keep an eye on. And what's going on? Yep. Uh, why don't you give us the website? It's cultural-center.org. Okay. So sorry about that hyphen, but it, it was necessary. It doesn't have Cape Cod in it. Nope. Okay. Just cultural-center.org, and um, you know to find to get started to find a list because I know that there's um, um, 
there's a painting program. Mm -hmm. And do I have this right? Is it painting with wine? Well, <laughs> you don't have to drink wine, but it's uh, once a month we have Friday night wine down, which is people coming in with their own beverages, whatever they want them to be. We provide wonderful food and uh, an incredible instructor named Odin Smith, who's one of our resident artists. She has a painting that she creates in front of this group of students who are each supplied with a canvas and paints and brushes, everything they need, aprons, and they sit there and create their own masterwork while they eat and drink and socialize. It's a lot of fun. I have to tell you, I think that the idea of being able to socialize when I did this, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't come to Odin's, but I will. Um, I did this with another company, mm -hmm. and uh, the idea of being able to socialize sort of made me free to try uh, painting, which I hadn't done since kindergarten, Lauren. Yeah, a lot of people I, give it up when they're little. It was just amazing. I mean, yeah. I didn't think I had any talent, and by the way, I don't, you know, uh, in that particular arena. Don't say that. You, well, you, you I go home and hang them up for a short time, yeah. the pictures, but it made it so much um, more of a, of a social thing, and I didn't feel quite so judgy of myself. There's no pressure. There's no judgment. There's no expectation. All are welcome, and they all have a great time. We sell out every month. Yes, it, it sounds great. So that is uh, um, painting and wine with Odin. It's, it's called uh, Friday Night Wine Down. Mm -hmm. You can call it Paint Night if you want. It's on the website under education. And uh, I guarantee you, you'll have a good time. Great. And, so, and you don't have to have any special skills. Absolutely not. That's wonderful. That's yeah. a really, you know, it's been amazing to me to recently bring, um, bring uh, painting and that kind of painting and uh, karaoke, so music, <laughs> uh, back into my life after not doing this since first grade, you know, it's just amazing. All children are born artists, not all of them keep it up because we make them do so many other things. That and it has to fit a certain mold. It does. Yeah, that's too bad. We have a compliment for you from Dorothy Garrity, who says, amazing author, Miss Wall. <laughs> Any new books on the horizon? I agree with the amazing part, and Thank tell you. us about the new books. Yeah, and I don't know where the horizon is, but presumably 2019, the publishing industry is glacial. But um, uh, I have a new book that I've received notes from my editor on, and I'm working on the revision right now, and it will be back in her hands, hopefully by the end of the month. I'm calling it Echo Mountain, but as you may know, authors often don't get to keep their titles, so I'm not sure what it will end up being called, but hopefully it will be out in the fall. Wonderful. Could you show us the two books you have out that you've uh, that you've brought along? And so uh, Hollow. is the new one young adult? Yes, mm -hmm. Beyond the Bright Sea. Um, although it's glad you ask if they're young adult. I wrote Wolf Hollow for adults, it and it works very well for adults. Thank you. Um, I was surprised when uh, my agent thought it was really meant for young readers, but it makes sense because it has a young protagonist. And I'm thrilled that it's for that market. Um, so I got a two-book deal with Penguin, with Dutton uh, at Penguin. And um, so Beyond the Red Sea is the second book, and I have a new two-book deal, so Echo Mountain will be the first Are they related? Because I haven't read the second one yet. So No, they're absolutely not related. But I am starting a new book, which is a sequel to Wolf Hollow, and we'll see if it takes. I'm mm -hmm. very early stages right now. Well, I, I have to say that I thought Wolf Hollow worked well as both an adult book and a young adult book, because not only does it have a young protagonist, but it has a lot of passage, a lot of life passage in it. Yeah, it's a coming and, of age uh, story. Yeah. And, so, and I, I do think it's a, it's kind of a book for all ages. I have to tell you also that um, there's a story connected to Wolf Hollow that you may not know. And okay. 
I I knew your mother for a long time. Ah, Mimi. Yes. Mimi McConnell. And I um I was covering uh, environmental issues on the Upper Cape at the mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. She was the first director, I believe, the executive director of the Buzzards Bay Coalition. That's correct. Yep. And uh, after we did all the interviewing, we chatted a bit. You know, we had kids, and mm -hmm. you were hers, yep. <laughs> one of hers. And uh, we talked about the farm. So mm -hmm. I have to tell you uh, that you you really, for me, it, it was a, a strange sense of echo because I was now reading about this place that Mimi had told me about and because uh, you guys vacationed there for years, right? Yeah, I, in fact, so it was inspired by her stories about growing up there, which she told us all through our childhoods, but she also wrote down and, uh, and, and, and very beautifully. And, um, and also by the amount of time I spent there growing up, our holidays, the harvest, we'd go there whenever we could. And, and so in a lot of ways, it's the taproot of my family, certainly of my life. So when I sat down to write a new book, I always start with setting. I thought I want to write something as a tribute to my mother, that way of life, that place, my grandparents. And so I just began. So it's a fiction, but it's got some threads of fact. When I started reading it, I felt like I was coming home after Aww. hearing all your mom's stories over the yeah, years. That's sweet. And, uh, and when I met you, I didn't know you were related to her. Uh -huh. So it took a while for that to kind of slip into place. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's amazing. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, so I, um, I loved the book. Thank you. Lots and lots of people love the book, uh, and I think I loved it just a little bit more because I felt like it was pulling together and, and putting onto paper these uh, these places that I had heard of, and I obviously knew how much your mom loved it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Anyway, I I think you had a book a long time ago as well, right? Yes, I wrote one for adults when I was 31, uh, which took a while to get published because I made the mistake of doing it without an agent. I thought I was so clever. And it turns out it's not a clever thing to do. You really need someone who can navigate the incredibly circuitous paths through the publishing world. And um, so it took a lot longer than it should have. But I was very happy with that book at the time. I'd like to rewrite it now. But um, it was it was my start. Mm -hmm. We. Uh, it's hard to explain to people how complicated that pathway is. Oh boy. I mean, I have not published a book, and um, I know about people promoting their books through local newspapers and radio shows and things. But uh, that's probably the most frequent question I get from readers, you know, people who have written books, is how can I uh, promote my book? And, you know, I'll say, well, you can send it to me and we'll get it into Cape Cod Book Scene, which we try to get all the yeah. local authors into. I think that is a, is a gift. Um, and um, <laughs> this must be someone who knows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was distracted, folks, because uh, we have a, a message from Sarah Morse, mm -hmm. and, and it says, Hi, Boette. Uh, I'll explain that in a minute. Lauren was my absolute favorite teacher ever. I had the privilege of, hi, Sarah. <laughs> I had the privilege of being a teacher for four years at Sturgis Charter School. And you know that. <laughs> I was the first 11th grade teacher. I came in just as the the kids who'd started as freshmen and then become sophomores were about to become juniors and they needed a teacher. I'd never taught formally in my life, so I got certified and taught there. And she was one of my students while I was there during those four years. And they called me Boet because one of the books I chose to teach was it's actually a play called Master Harold and the Boys. And wonderful play. And it takes place in South Africa. And Boet is a, a word uh, that means comrade. Ah. And so we did. We read this play together, and they started calling me Boat, and it stuck. So years later, kids were calling me Boat without having any idea why. 
and now I still get Facebook messages and things from people who call me Boet, and uh, I love that. I have to say that gives you an unfair advantage because then you know the group you're speaking to. That's true. <laughs> you can trace back to who the person is. You know? Yes. So I uh, that's interesting. You taught English, I assume. I did English and creative writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never expected. Well, actually, it's not true. When I was little, I thought I'd grow up to be a teacher, but I got into it because I was volunteer teaching wherever my children were in school, teaching creative writing, and pretty soon I was teaching at schools where my kids were not enrolled because people had asked me to, and I was traveling around from school to school and spending a great deal of time and the kids were old enough to do without me so I decided I would teach full-time. Sturgis needed a teacher, I needed a job, it worked out great. It must have been an exciting place, they, they oh, did Lord. a lot of interesting, not did, they do a lot of interesting work over there. That was back in the day when there wasn't much heat, we used to wear our coats and gloves in class and we cleaned the bathrooms after class every day and uh, we were we were the little little engine that could. Yes, amazing. and now there are two campuses, and, and I remember those days. There was uh, uh, organic. We won't get into it right now, but I do remember those days when you were kind of growing. You can tell, too, when, when they're hiring the teachers as the kids age into the grade. Exactly. They're growing. With no <laughs> curriculum, no books, no nothing. And we just we lived along, and it was terrific. Did you uh, get to learn any Latin? It always impressed me Never. that they taught Latin. Never. It's been very impressive, yes, but I quid, quid pro quo is about all I can manage. So, yeah. no, not for me. so we should get back to, you know, just drop back to the uh, cultural center because I know that there are some things going on. First of all, how old uh, are, are the kids in the Rise and Shine program? Um, it's hard to say. Mostly mm -hmm. they're teenagers. Oh, okay, that was kind of what I was looking at. Um, but we don't turn anybody away. Um, just read a comment here. Uh -huh. Yes, we're bad today. We keep getting, we're supposed <laughs> to work those in like we didn't even read them. But uh, Jane Reed Wilson, uh, she loves the statement, all people are born artists. I agree. Wish I lived close enough to take advantage of the center. She's uh, in Philadelphia now. And uh, um, she is she is a wonderful artist herself. Uh, she's always sketching. The, she never goes without the book, you know. So. Yeah. Good. Anyway, but uh, um, so there's, and the other thing I was going to ask you is, you mentioned the Sober Socials program, which seems like a really important thing, because you need a place to hang out and talk to people and meet people. Right. Well, Stella yeah. Wolf um, brought the idea to us a couple of years ago. Um, her fiance at the time, now husband, was in recovery, and they were looking to start something that would allow people to, you know, have a good, safe, non-judgmental, fun place to socialize. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got some great grant money, um, Cape Cod Fives, Cape Cod Foundation, uh, Cape Air, the town of Yarmouth, uh, all gave us some money to get started because we wanted it to be free. Mm -hmm. But our policy at the center was and always will be that we pay artists. Mm -hmm. We don't ask for them to do anything for free. So if we had a band come and play, we pay the band. Mm -hmm. If we had a trivia night, we pay the trivia guy. Um, you know, some people are generous and offer, but we don't expect it because the, the day we don't play, pay the electrician is the day we don't pay the artist. It's just n never going to happen. So anyway, um, we were given this lovely money to run the program, and we're in a state of transition right now because we feel it should be here in Hyannis um, because the population that needs it most has trouble getting to Yarmouth. Mm -hmm. So we're talking to some people about partnering to continue the program here. So you either here. need a place or, or a bus. Yeah, hmm. yeah, and um, so it's it's a work in progress. 
So if anyone out there can help, you might want to contact Lauren. You know, uh, on the news pages, we don't urge people to do things, but you know, when we're at the talk show, we'll sure, let the community know what you need. Need anything else while you're at it? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're a nonprofit. We're only 12 years old. We came of age during a recession. It was a real blow when we opened our doors, and like three months later, the recession hit. So uh, we're very good stewards of, of all our funding, and uh, anyone who wants to come volunteer for us or support us in any way, our door is always open. I know what that means. That means the staffers, the you know, volunteers at the center are bringing toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> so. we, we work very hard. All nonprofits do. Yes. And uh, do you have volunteer opportunities? For Absolutely. We have lots of volunteer opportunities, including for our youth programs, but every concert we have, every reading, every film, every everything, our culinary arts, all of it. What, um, What's the nature of some of that volunteer work? Uh, you mean just like setting up or uh, setting up? Or? All of it. Um, helping the chef, being a sous chef, helping with the dishes, um, helping to put out the complimentary beverages and food mm -hmm. we have at every concert. Um, whatever your talent might be, we find a place for you. Great. So once again, um, you have the uh, the website and. Uh, because it's a little unusual, we'll repeat it again. Cultural-center.org. Okay. Or just Google Cultural Center of Cape Cod. Right. And, and there are a lot of things that come up. Um, there was uh, um, a couple of other programs that came out of the Cultural Center. And we'd written about them, but it's been a few years, so you might want to remind people. I believe it's on its own now. I'm not quite sure how this is arranged, but I'm talking about the Bass River Press. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, as a writer, I always wanted to start a little press to help mm -hmm. local artists, uh, writers. And a young woman named Angela House, graduated from Brandeis, came to see me and said, oh, "My professor says you're the person I should talk to on the Cape about getting involved in a project involving poetry." And I said, "How would you like to start a press?" And she said, "Sure." So um, we're about to publish our fourth title. We do one book of poetry a year, mm -hmm. one collection by one uh, poet on the Cape or Islands, and. Um, Actually, next year, or I should say we're now in this year, 2019, uh, we'll be working on a, an anthology with Calliope, which is uh, in Falmouth, run by Alice Kachimba mm -hmm. um, and Rich Humans. And they are interested in, in publishing an anthology of work about Cape Cod, not necessarily by just Cape Cod writers. Mm -hmm. but um, So we're looking at that project for 2020. But uh, we believe that uh, small presses are a great asset to any community. So we started one. It uh, and do you do you after you decide what you're going to do and, and you have it put together, do you send it out for publication? We How send it out to be printed, mm -hmm. but you don't we, have an actual press there. Uh, no, we don't have an actual. I'd love to have an actual press there. We'd never see you again. I, I don't You'd think be, that's. I can handle that. No, we send it out and. Um, and, and then we sell the book ourselves, and it's on Amazon and Barnes mm -hmm. and Noble and Ingram. And uh, yeah, and who is the poet that is this year's Leo Leo Tibolt from Brewster? Mm -hmm. Yeah, congratulations to him. And now, are you still doing prose or is it all poetry? Me? No, not, not in you, the press. In the press, it's it's been all poetry. Oh, um, I thought there was an alternating. You know, we hope to poem. add another title a year mm -hmm. of prose, and eventually another title of nonfiction. Um, but it's Angie is moving to Boston, and she oh, will no. con, she will continue to to help because you know in the digital age you can do a lot long distance. But um, we 
I have a lot of projects going on in my own life and at the center. So uh, we tend to evolve with the times. And, and if we find that we need some help running this press, I'm sure we'll be able to find some people out there to help us. You think? I think. <laughs> I, I tease because I have never been in a place that has more artists and writers. And, and also people who, who are incredibly talented but they're they're doing you know they're doing other sort of commercial jobs to support that talent. Yeah, kind of a, like you is. were with Will Follow, right? I have always had a day job, mm -hmm. except well, even when I, when I was raising my children, that was a day job. I'll tell you. Oh but, yeah, uh, I just didn't get. Sometimes paid. I used to come to to work for uh, for the rest. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> so, a lot easier to work outside of the home. But I was a freelance writer at the time. I worked in magazines and stuff um, in Toronto. And uh, but then I've always had a day job, and I don't know what I would do without one. I tend to get more done when I'm really busy. Mm -hmm. Me too. It's either on or hands. off. Yeah, exactly. Every now and then you take a crash day where you're just watching old reruns or. or, or oh, I, I I watched a bunch of Downton Abbey over the break, and I, <laughs> I really should have been doing something a little more productive. But that that is actually a pretty productive thing to do. Yeah. I was going to say, or you lay on the floor and let the cat walk on you. Speaking yeah. of cats, <laughs> do you still have your cat at the cultural center? Our Kit Kat, oh boy, he adopted us back just after we opened, uh, came to us as a stray. He lives with with uh, our executive director, Bob Nash, now because mm -hmm. he developed diabetes and we were having uh, to give him shots twice a day and he didn't much like being alone at night, so yeah, Bob took him home. So, well, it, it was uh, very welcoming. I think the first oh, time I, I visited, best cat in the world. He would just, you know, come just in and, and welcome you in and roll uh, on his back and, you know. But people come specifically to see the cat still. Oh, well, it's good they were giving you an update. The cat is doing okay, the cat is living with but Bob. he's living with Bob now. Yeah. So, anyway, and just in time, we have a couple more questions. Let's see. Richard Williams asked: In these days of STEM classes. It is important to keep the arts alive, STEAM, right. and uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics is what STEM is, but then you add that A in and for the arts. And STEAM is a really powerful force. And, I think and a lot of people see that and, and don't realize what's happened there. But. I do not understand why any educational institution of any kind would leave the arts out. The arts help you learn everything else. Mm -hmm. So well, we've seen studies uh, showing how integrated um, uh, math and music are. Of course. Got to have both. Of course. And, so. and there, there's absolutely no reason why the arts shouldn't be integrated in every single part of the curriculum. Well, certainly that sounds like part of what you're doing in the community. Yeah, we're right. trying to. Have yeah. you, um, I know that you personally had a, uh, a staging of Wolf Hollow at um, Howard Street yeah. Theater, yeah. and uh, which was very exciting. Yeah, yes, it was. They did the adaptation um, and staged it in the spring. And I'll tell you, that was a surreal experience to sit in an audience and watch characters playing out my book. It was it was really amazing. And and I I guess I can say it's it's there's been a lid on it, but um, we'll follow the movie may be coming out soon. Uh, I, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, the. The cat came out of the bag a little bit over Facebook on Facebook over the holidays, um, and and I stayed away from it because I'm not the one who's supposed to announce things. So I'm not officially announcing anything except it seems to be out. You heard on Facebook. The news <laughs> seems to be out. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, hopefully this. I'll wait. Year I, we won't jinx anything. I'll wait and congratulate you after we get the official press release. You know. Yeah. 
But uh, well, and there are a lot of things that that seeds that get planted that never bear fruit, and I'm a realist about that. But nothing ventured, nothing gained. So first steps are good. It was uh, when I read the book. I, I read it alone. I didn't read it with other members of my family. But you were telling me a great story about how some families did read it together. Can you recreate that? Yeah. And if I had asked for this, I never would have expected it. I didn't even know to ask for it. But it's a great gift. And that is that you know a grandparent will come in to buy the book, intending to give it to a grandchild. But she or he will read it first. And then they'll give it to their son or daughter to read. And then it'll go down to the grandchild. And then all three generations have a kitchen table discussion about it, which, as you said earlier, is a lovely mirror of what happens in the book, where the generations all sit down at the kitchen table to live their lives together. So it's just it's an amazing gift to hear stories like that. And I hear them a lot. Uh, I'm thrilled that all ages are reading it. In fact, originally Penguin said it was for ages like 10 to 12 or something like that. And then they changed, it. Eight, I think. they changed it to 10 and up because mm -hmm. so many people were saying, why are you putting a, a lid on this? So it's any age could read it. So I, the question I get most often is, is my six-year-old too young if I mm -hmm. read it to her? And I say, it depends on the six-year-old. I don't think so. Yeah. My parents read to me every single night when I was growing up. Which is another alternative to read it together. Yeah. There's you a know. lot of that. I, um, you know, when I look back, some of those, many of those books, Bambi and, and uh, you know, um, um, the one with the dog, <laughs> Old Yeller, Old Yeller. and, uh, you know, many of those books are excruciatingly painful. Well, they are. The, the people say, well, Paul is a very dark book. Yeah, it is. And kids know a lot about darkness. They understand, especially in this world, they understand it. They're not afraid of it. And that's how I learned to deal with the world was through books. And, um, you know, darkness, but I, I, I would say also self-definition, you know, sure. when you decide what I do in this situation is, is going to determine who I am. And, you know, you're not aware of that at the time. Kids need to understand how powerful they are. They yeah. really are. They, they have a lot to say and they should be empowered to say it. And Annabelle, the main character, and then Crow in Beyond the Bright Sea are very strong young women. And I I, I People say, why do you keep writing about girls? They say, because I have sons. Mm -hmm. now, now I have daughters. And these daughters are beloved to me. And so I, when I get a letter from a little girl who says, I loved Annabelle or I loved Crow and I, you know, I want to be just like her. Whew, better than royalties by far. Although they're fine. <laughs> I was going to say. They're pretty nice, yeah. She still wants the royalties. <laughs> um, so we have like two minutes left. And I was wondering if we could... You know, I knew this was going to be a conversation that went all over the place because yeah. you are involved in so many things. But um, I was wondering if we could bring it back to the uh, cultural center with sure. a little bit of information about what's coming up next and, and you know, oh. sort of an open invitation for everyone in the community. And it's not just Yarmouth. Oh, no. we are. You can get there. You can play. We are truly the cultural center of Cape Cod. And all nonprofits serve all. But, but right. we, we try and have a, a broad reach. Um, we have concerts, we have readings, we have uh, films, we have French night that happens once a month. We have every kind of class you can imagine. Uh, we have yoga, we have Tai Chi. We should tell um, people there, there are charges for those classes, you can find them yeah. listed. But, you know, like most nonprofits, you, you run that balance between... Um, you know, staying alive and making everything accessible try to, make it to very as many affordable. people as possible. And, and we have no admission fee to come see the exhibits. We have five exhibits going on all the time. We have the artist studios that are full of art, 
anyone can visit anytime. So there's plenty to do without spending a penny. But mm -hmm. we have a great gift shop, and we do sell tickets to a lot of things. How um, did I miss the gift shop? I've been out I don't three know. or four times. You yeah. know? No, it's there. I have to tell you, you actually had me once in, in the Penn Women's Day, yeah. and it was a pleasure, and I remember standing in front of that hulking vault, and then <laughs> when the cat walked past, I knew it was time to start talking. So you'll have to get another cue. Oh, giver. absolutely. Yeah, the cat's not living yeah. there. He played a very important role. We do miss him. But, uh, well, at least he's with Bob. Yes. And, um, and I want to thank you for coming today, Lauren. Thank you for and also to encourage you all to reach out. This is one of many places on Cape Cod where you can, um, uh, I almost said interface, and experience, experience. the arts. Absolutely. The, this is one of the richest cultural places in, in the world. So, yeah, get out and get involved. See you next week, everyone. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.